Hello everyone and welcome to Codebreaker Wrestling Podcast, the podcast where we break the code on all things professional wrestling. And this is your raw recap for Monday, September 23rd, 2019. And let's just get right into it here, guys. So Right off the bat, I thought the new intro was cool. Like, it was still the WWE intro with all the highlights, and it's kind of going in and out of kind of like a film reel type of deal. But I thought it was cool that they inserted kind of the distortion that The Fiend brings to video packages, apparently. I'm not sure why that's explained. Like, if he has supernatural powers or why it is that the graphics always mess up like when he when he shows up but then it flashed a picture of the fiend at the end and i but i thought that was cool i thought that was a creative thing to do and they keep talking about the raw season premiere like like their seasons of raw like i guess it's kind of to signify like the they had signed a new deal with USA or like it was a new year or whatever for USA I don't know it's like it's kind of a formality to me because Raw is you know pretty much every week of the year except the week of Christmas so there's not really seasons because there's not really a break so how can there be seasons of it but anyway we had Rollins out to start the show this is after they showed a recap of last week with the Firefly Funhouse segment and the Fiend attacking Kane, who had come to help Rollins out uh, the previous week. And he starts in and he talks about how he's never seen anything like the Fiend before in his time in WWE, and he's seen a lot of things in his seven years. And. He seemed like, at first at least, he seemed like he was kind of scared of the of the fiend, like which I don't blame him because that guy's a creepy some bitch. But I, it seemed like at first, for the first half of the promo, he was kind of scared, and then he switches and talks about how he's gonna survive and prevail like he always does, and explain that when he faced Brock and Braun everyone told him it was impossible he couldn't win and he survived and prevailed he said but this brings out Braun whose music hits to interrupt Seth mid-sentence and he tells Seth that if he's gonna talk about him he should do it to his face and they have a little bit of a back and forth and Braun says he won't run and play psycho Mr. Rogers games like Bray, and I thought that was a good line. But eventually, after they go back and forth a little bit, Seth tells him that he doesn't like him getting up in his face and that he didn't want to have to fight him anytime soon, but him getting up in his face made him mad, so now he does, he wants to challenge him tonight and fight him. He's, in his words, he wants to fight him tonight. But then Braun says, good, and Seth is going to get these hands. Like, you know, his catchphrase. But 
And then we cut to Becky with a pre-taped promo backstage with Michael Cole. And she says that she wants Sasha at her best at Hell in a Cell. And Michael Cole seemed kind of like almost more in support of Sasha than Becky. I mean, I know he's supposed to present the other side because he's a broadcast journalist and he's supposed to present both sides. But he was almost like still in support of Sasha, even though he says he isn't because she's a heel now. So I don't know what the deal is with that. But anyway, um, uh, Becky says she talks, uh, she, uh, left the SmackDown women's division to come to the Raw women's division that had been decimated by Ronda because Ronda had run through everybody. and Which is kind of true, which is a little bit of a shoot, but it was really because she lost the SmackDown women's title to Charlotte and then Charlotte lost it to Bayley. So there's no point in her being on SmackDown when she's not the SmackDown women's champion. She's technically on the Raw roster, but... She says that, Sasha, you better take your shot while you got it because this is your chance. This is Sasha, Sasha's chance to lay into her and beat her up or whatever she wants to do. And she talked about how it was to keep Bailey out and that was the whole point of the thing. And it was a good promo, I thought. Like, Becky's, ever since Sasha's been back and she's been cutting these promos on Sasha, she's been... Uh, she, they've all been good, I think. I don't think she's had any, like, stinker promos where it's like, oh my god, what happened? But, I had to note here that I watched the Hulu, uh, cut version, so it's only about an hour and a half, and it was about 12 to 15 minutes before we had a match, so I just had to note that, but... Then we got into the match, finally, and it was Nikki Cross uh, facing off against Sasha Banks after the tag match last week where Sasha and Bayley picked up the win, but it was a good back-and-forth match, actually. Like, it wasn't anything spectacular that I would recommend as, like, one of the best matches I ever saw or anything, but it gave it a lot it was a good match and they gave it a lot of time it might have been like 10 or 15 minutes that they gave it like they gave this match a while and it was typical heel tactics from Sasha and Bailey you know Bailey's distracting the ref or grabbing uh Nikki's leg or whatever you know typical I'm gonna help my friend cheat heel kind of tactics but Alexa finally had enough and she clobbered Bailey with a forearm and then she threw her into the timekeepers area. So I thought Bailey was done, but inside the ring, Sasha Nikki came off the top rope with the crossbody and Sasha actually transitioned it into a backstabber and a bank statement for the tap out. And I think Sasha overall she's had she's had that fire back ever since she's come back from her uh, sabbatical for her mental health she's you can see it in her in-ring work she's got that passion back and she's putting more into her in-ring work and she's better because of the fact that she took that break and got away for a little bit and like she's 
a better performer, I think, a better wrestler. And you can see the difference in her work, I think, personally. But I got to say, like, the backstabber into the bank statement, that's probably one of the smoothest, like, transition moves I've seen into a submission finish. Like, it's just so seamless, like, the way she does it and the moves just fits so perfectly together i mean a lot of people talk about how sasha uh botches a lot and she kind of does but like she's actually a really good wrestler as shown by that her finishing transition like that's that that's just one of the smoothest like nicest looking combination moves i've seen in in wrestling in general not even just in wwe and wrestling just as a whole all right so then they announced that <clears throat> brock lesnar will be returning to raw next week for what else i'll let you guess the season premiere of raw what he's gonna do i don't know oh wait yes i do He's going to come out with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's going to cut a great to good promo. And he's going to stand there and bounce up and down and look like, look menacing and like a badass. And that's what will happen. Maybe Kofi will come out. Maybe he won't. Who knows. But that's what's most likely going to happen. What would make sense at least. And this company doesn't always make sense. But that's what would make sense. So then we had my favorite characters on Raw. Who never wrestle on Raw. Only on NXT. The Street Profits. Ugh. And they were back to do what else to narrate the show and tell us what we're going to have this week what we're going to have next week what already happened i mean it's an all right idea but like i've said before their delivery and the way they do it is just really over the top and like not in a good way like in more of an annoying way in my personal opinion but then just as i was about to skip through the whole segment because i don't want to hear it a wild Miz appears. He went on to announce that he is again a father, which we already knew because it was on social media and whatnot. But he announced it on TV to another baby. He was a father to another baby girl. And also announced that on Miz TV next week, he will host two guests, that being Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, which is a pretty big ms tv like especially since flair and hogan haven't been on the recent like raw reunion episodes and stuff of that nature and we haven't seen as much of them as like i love stone cold so it's not a knock on stone cold but people like stone cold goldberg that we've seen legends that we've seen recently like very recently so that was kind of cool but then we cut to the Firefly Funhouse, which is by far my favorite segment of Raw normally every week. Like my favorite promo or like non-wrestling segment. But 
it opened we opened it with uh Bray's hanging these he's got the pictures of the people he's taken out with x's over their eyes you know but he also now is hanging like pictures of just like black like there's nothing on them but they're in frames and it's just black i'm assuming well i'm not assuming i know those are gonna be for future victims so he says there's always room for one more and he does that kind of creepy laugh that he does and then it switched to um huskis the pig and rambling rabbit are actually fighting over a seth rollins action figure which funnily enough i believe is the same one my youngest son has that is one of the talking ones that i can't remember what they call them but you push the his belt buckle and he says like phrases or whatever but that was i thought that was funny just something i noticed but so they're trying to get the uh, Seth Rollins action figure from each other and Bray breaks it up and tells them you know what are you doing are you you guys are supposed to be best friends why are you fighting over over Seth Rollins or whatever and they say they're such big fans of Seth Rollins's now and they just didn't want to share the action figure with each other and they and they went on to say that they don't want the fiend to hurt Rollins. And Bray gets that kind of like creepy borderline like between the personalities type of thing he has going on. And he says, well, maybe the fiend is protecting Seth Rollins. I love this. I love the character. I love the way he portrays it. I love the little references and the little nuances of the character i just like this character in general but then we cut to king corbin versus chad gable which was a rematch of the king of the ring finals from last week which we were informed just in case you forgot last week they uh wrestled in the king of the ring finals just in case you forgot that in seven days but Corbin is out and he has a remixed version of his theme like I've always liked his theme it's metal but it has like an orchestral element to it that I like so there's like some king music inserted into it now like towards the end or like the middle I'm not sure which but he comes out with the new crown cape and scepter which all looked awesome he's got the black scepter he's got the leather king cape now instead of the one they had like the velvet or whatever it was and the black crown which is friggin awesome like no matter what you think of corbin like that was an awesome choice attire wise like it looks so much better than the stuff that they had been displaying for like a month now like personally i like that kind of darker stuff the more quote unquote like metal stuff so i was really excited to see the new attire but he cuts a promo and you know he makes more short short jokes at chad gable's expense before the match and it was a good match though um 
Corbin dominated a lot of it, you know, kind of like a big man type of match where Gable would get a little offense in and then he would get, but he would get shut down by the bigger guy, Corbin, and he would take him out and lay into him for a while. And then Gable would make a little bit of a comeback and then he would get shut down. But there was one spot where Corbin launched him over the barricade. And when I say launched him, I mean he launched him. Like, the security guards were there to catch him. That's how hard he threw him. But, so that was pretty cool. And there was one botched kind of looking clothesline. It looked like Gable, like, turned too early or he turned when he shouldn't have and they tried to like quickly cut away from it at least in the hulu version that i watch but he was like sideways gable was when he hit him and i don't know if that was supposed to be like that but it just looked kind of weird and awkward so i hesitate to call it a botch but it might have been i'm not sure and the story of the match was gable gable's resiliency and heart and he isn't gonna stay down and he keeps kicking out and corbin's getting madder and madder and madder and more frustrated and this is kind of a story with corbin matches because he's got that like idiot heel syndrome where he spends more time arguing with the referee than staying on his opponent but it wasn't as bad as it has been in the past like he got into it a little bit with the ref but not so not so much that it cost him the match like it has before in the past and it was a good match crowd was really into it like they really wanted gable to win and it showed in the reactions and you could hear it so that was really cool to hear and to see that they were just going crazy for this guy so they they they're doing something right in getting him over because people like him for sure and not just like little sections of people like you get sometimes but like big amounts of people like whole crowds are cheering the guy on because when he put that ankle lock on Corbin that place exploded but then what happened was Corbin got to his scepter in the corner and he just starts wailing on him on gable with it and obviously causes the dq because the ref's standing right there and it was just a great match i thought another they these two have chemistry they have great match they have great match chemistry and i've yet to see like anything that i would call a bad match between the two of them so this is one feud I hope continues a little more just because number one, I want to see Gable win and number two, I want the, I want to see more matches between them because they have, they work so well together. But we had, after that, we had another well done, um, authors of pain promo where they talk, uh, in English and then in their native language, which I'm not sure what it is but maybe someone can comment and let me know but they beat down a couple dudes in the hallway they had a short clip of that and said that's why nobody wants to fight them and it looked like a couple jobbers but i'm not sure who it was exactly but i mean if they keep building them like this and they do it right i think they can actually 
have a good team with these guys and have a good kind of monster team kind of like um the legion of doom back in the day and those kind of teams so i hope they continue building these guys the way that they've been building them all right so then we had the fatal five-way <clears throat> elimination match with mysterio of ricochet styles nakamura and rude um right after the bell rings rude immediately bails out of the ring like somebody farted and it starts out fast paced with like a lot of dives and kind of as some people call it flippy shit from ricochet and mysterio um so rude throws ricochet out at at one point he throws mysterio out to the floor and he does like that sliding penguin kind of thing on his belly where he slides out of the ring and lands on the person outside and that happened to be ricochet so that was a pretty cool spot i thought and after that uh aj styles and rude uh, they formed a short-lived, very short-lived alliance. They started working together for a little bit, both being heels, but they quickly turned on each other and started fighting. And eventually this led to Ricochet being eliminated by uh, Kinshasa, or as Corey Graves says, Kinshasa! By Nakamura after, he hit, after Ricochet hit the recoil on uh, Robert Roode. He turned around right into the Kinshasa, and he was gone. And then right after that, there was a Tower of Doom spot by the remaining four. I feel like it's kind of a staple of like these multi-man matches these days to do a, some sort of Tower of Doom spot in the corner. But, I mean, it looks cool every time, so I'm kind of okay with it. So there was a sick-looking, like release suplex by aj styles he picks up ray for the suplex and then just drops him on the apron so that looked like it sucked that looked like it did not feel good on ray's back and neck but he took it and he took that bump like a champ but then uh aj turned around he hits the phenomenal can't talk the phenomenal forearm to get the pin on nakamura but then he's immediately grabbed by rude who hits the glorious ddt on styles and pins him eliminates him and him and ray go back and forth for a minute and before ray counters the uh, glorious ddt like it was a pretty cool like smooth looking counter and that went into the 619 for the win for Rey Mysterio. So Rey Mysterio will challenge Rollins for the Universal title on the... Wait, what's it called again? I don't remember. Oh yeah, the season premiere of Raw. How could I forget? They only said it like 9 million times. But anyway, he'll challenge Rollins next week. I don't think... It'll be a good match, but I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that Ray's beating Rollins for the title next week. Um, 
they could surprise us, but it would be, number one, a bad booking decision, and number two, they've been building this Rollins and Fiend match for weeks now, so there's no way they're going to just up and change it at the last minute, so... It'll be a good match, though, I think. They're both really good workers, and their styles kind of fit together well. So I think it'll be a good show. So then we cut to backstage with Rollins, and uh, Charlie's asked, Charlie Caruso, that is, is asking him what he thinks about Ray winning and challenging him next week. And he congratulates Ray and said it's a dream match for him, and he is excited to face Ray next week, but he can't think about that right now because he's got The Fiend and Braun Strowman on his plate right now. And, but he does say that it comes with the territory of being Universal Champion and that he's going to survive and prevail, as he says. I think that's like his new catchphrase because he says it a lot, but we'll see if it gets printed on a shirt or something. But... I think that's where they're going with that. And he says, before he walks away, he says, he's we're going to see the best wrestler on the planet go out and defeat Braun Strowman. So that was that little backstage segment. And then we had the main event, which was Braun and Seth, non-title. And strowman dominated a lot of it just like the clash of champions match he dominated a lot of the match in the beginning portion of the match before rollins finally hit him with the chop block to the knee and took his leg out and wrapped it around the post and he finally took the advantage and it turned into more of a back and forth instead of braun just throwing seth around like a ragdoll so Braun had him up for the running power slam, but then the lights started turning out and making that weird noise, so everybody knew what that meant. The show's over! Nope. Actually, it meant that The Fiend was about to appear, so he appears to take and takes uh, Braun down with the mandible claw. I liked how they added the part about where Braun's going, where are you, where are you? Because he knows he's coming. He's seen this many times before, obviously. So he knows the Fiend is about to arrive and he's trying to find him. So I like that that was audible and you could hear that. So he takes Braun down with the mandible claw, laughing and screaming. And he kind of slinks over very serpent-like to seth again and seth looks like he's about to shit his pants and i mean i would i would be too i'd be afraid of the fiend too to be honest with you i think i said that earlier in this review but he he kind of uh looks at him but then braun gets up so he turns around puts the mandible claw on braun again takes him down and this time Braun's dead he's unconscious he's not getting up and the fiend just kind of stares down Seth for a minute before the lights go out and the copyright notice comes up and they go off the air I actually saw that there was a little bit of a botch with him in that 
they had some of the lights still on. Like, all the lights weren't off when he went to make his run back to the back through the aisleway or up the ramp or whichever way he goes to get out of there. And some of the lights were on, so Seth was sitting in the ring still after they went off the air and he's looking confused and perplexed as to where the fiend has gone and how he got away and where he went but meanwhile the fans see him sprinting up the up the aisleway and I thought that was interesting I hope that doesn't hurt his character because I really really like the fiend character that he's been portraying thus far and the other side of it, the kind of creepy Mr. Rogers thing, they've just done an excellent job, and supposedly Bray has a lot of creative control and input over over the segments. I mean, obviously he doesn't have complete control because no wrestler really has that anymore, So, but they've been doing an excellent job, and I hope they continue with that. So with that, I will let you guys go and get on with your day. This has been Codebreaker Wrestling Podcast, where we break the code on all things professional wrestling. And if you like, please subscribe. The audio only is also available on Podbean and iTunes as well, if you prefer to get it that way. And I will see you guys next time for more shows, more wrestling. Have a good day.